Okay, Marines, keep the powder dry. The battle has just begun. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another National Preview Online podcast. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to our podcast by going to the iTunes App Store and searching for NP Online. If you are an Android user, you can go to the Google Play Store and simply search out the Podbean app. It is a free app available on the Google Play Store. Podbean.com is our hosting service, and you can subscribe to the show that way. It's free. Either way you go, Android through Podbean or the iTunes App Store, it's free to subscribe to this show. So, I wanted to do a podcast. I normally don't do one on Saturdays. I do it occasionally, but not every Saturday. But I wanted to do it today because I understand that many of you out there are upset and distraught just as much as my wife is. Uh, Because the media, the complicit, increasingly leftist, Marxist, communist media has proclaimed Joe Biden the winner. But let me point something out to you. The media in this country does not proclaim winners and losers in elections. They simply make projections. That's what they're projecting. And they're using the awesome power of the media, just as authors use the awesome power of the printed word. Have you ever noticed that people tend to believe something simply because they see it in print? It has no greater validity because it's in print as if someone spoke it to you over the counter at the luncheonette. But people buy into it. The same principle is involved here. Everyone is aghast because the media has proclaimed Joe Biden the winner. For those of you who are a little younger, I might point out that 20 years ago, in the year 2000, the media also proclaimed a man named Al Gore to be president. But if you have a memory like mine, you also know that you have no recollection of any Al Gore having been president of the United States. That was reversed by the courts. And there are a host of issues here that do not bode well for the Biden campaign. And I know you think it's an uphill battle because the media uh, seems to have a great many things on its side. But that doesn't mean that the die has been cast. I think quite to the contrary. You're going to find that the president has a lot more up his sleeve and a lot more going for them than anyone is giving him credit for. So let's go over a few things. Now, the mainstream media is telling you there's no evidence of fraud, no evidence of fraud, no evidence of fraud. And then if you bring up an issue of fraud, they say there's no evidence of massive fraud on any meaningful scale. So let's go over a few of these things. First of all, I'd like you to know breaking news. Former heavyweight champion Joe Frazier, heavyweight boxing champion of the world, famous for his uh, trilogy of incredible fights with the late, great Muhammad Ali, uh, has voted in the Philadelphia election, and he has voted for Joe Biden. Only problem is that just as Muhammad Ali died a few years ago, Joe Frazier predeceased him and has been dead since 2011. So I don't quite know how Joe Frazier is casting all these votes. Uh, Will Smith's father is dead, and yet has voted in two elections. And there's a host of other dead people. Now, that's the fraud that the media dismisses because it's not on a grand scale. So, having addressed that fraud, let me address some other fraud. 
In the state of Nevada, which the great media has called for Joe Biden, there has been a formal complaint made to the Department of Justice of mail fraud, since they have verified over 3,500 ballots that were cast by people who do not live in the state of Nevada and therefore have no right to vote there. That is a low-end estimate. It could be as high as 7,500 ballots. Now, in a state as small as Nevada, you could see what changing 7,500 ballots could do or invalidating 7,500 ballots could do. So that's one point of contention. In the state of Arizona, we have recently found 10,000 perfectly legitimate and very timely delivered ballots in favor of Donald Trump that were never counted. Arizona is currently being recounted. Let's move on to the great state of Wisconsin. Wisconsin has 200,000 more ballots cast than there are registered voters in the state to cast them. But the media tells you this is not evidence of voter fraud. You would obviously have 200,000 fraudulent ballots since you can't possibly have more ballots cast than there are people to cast them. That's fraud. Michigan, in the county of Antrim, has discovered that a software glitch took over 3,500 ballots that were intended for the Republican candidates and counted them for Democrats. And this software uh, program, which caused the glitch or had the glitch, is in place in 47 counties in the state of Michigan. So you can imagine what sort of massive problem this causes. Now, there's a few other problems that I have to bring to your attention. On election evening, I usually stay up all night until I get a definitive answer. This year, I knew we weren't going to get a definitive answer because of so many ballots, uh, so many states still counting and outstanding. So I finally went to bed a little before four. Now, this isn't unusual that things go into the wee small hours. I saw this in 2016. And fortunately, through the miracle of YouTube, you can go back and you can play the election coverage of that night, the complete election coverage. And you can see everybody whooping and hollering up until about 9 o'clock, 7, 9 o'clock, for, for um, Hillary Clinton, exit polling. After 9 o'clock, things started to change. And then for a long period, no states were called, as it became apparent that Hillary Clinton was not going to win. Now, why weren't states being called? Because when these things happen, and they always happen in democratically controlled states, you know, it didn't happen in Ohio. Trump won that running away. But it happened in Florida. Happened in Wisconsin, PA, Michigan. They were waiting, 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 waiting because they were looking for votes, votes that they have stored someplace, already ready for such an emergency. But they never really thought that Donald Trump was going to win, so they bought into their own bullshit. And because of that, they didn't have a sufficient number of ballots, and they didn't have time to do it. And so Trump won, and they vowed then it would never happen again. So they launched an unending assault on this man, never allowing him the dignity of his victory, never allowing him to enjoy his victory, though I think he enjoyed it anyway. 
going after him with falsehoods, using the weapon, weaponizing government agencies against this man, weaponizing those agencies against his campaign. And he'd beat them back at every turn. They got a Russian investigation that had no evidence other than a phony dossier, which is not evidence, bought and paid for by Hillary Clinton, and they defrauded a FISA court. This is all being investigated by John Durham. So why do the Democrats want to engage in fraud in this election? Look what's at stake. If Donald Trump is not returned to the White House, there's going to be a new attorney general come January 20th. And those Durham investigations will cease. And none of these people will ever be held accountable for the great crime they perpetrated on this country. So, moving forward to the present day, the same thing happened this election eve. Donald Trump was creeping up. He had just taken Florida. Notice they never allowed him to get ahead. He had taken Florida handily. He won Florida by almost 400,000 votes. Florida hasn't been decided by a margin like that since God knows how long. There was no blue wave, like the pollsters predicted. Instead, the Republicans gained seats in the House, and they held on to the Senate. They lost one seat. At the local level, governors, state representatives, Even in New York, a liberal state like New York, the margin of victory in New York City was very low. Usually a Democrat wins New York City by 400,000. They lost 200,000 votes. The race in New York was a lot more competitive than people ever expected. So in in addition to this, the minority vote, and how many times have we heard if you get above a certain percentage of the minority vote you're in, Donald Trump got a greater percentage of the black vote, of the Latino vote, of non-white voters than any Republican has gotten in over 60 years. Over 60 years. And yet in the face of all this, in the face of this tremendous trend, we are to believe that Donald Trump didn't win re-election, but everyone else did. That's what we're supposed to believe. Do you believe it? I don't. And there's plenty of reason why I don't believe it. Donald Trump received, I think, almost 5 million more votes this year than he did in 2016. Now, the Biden campaign... It's a different story. Donald Trump received 5 million more votes, and he really worked for it. He had rallies, and he had a great ground game, a get-out-the-vote effort. The Biden campaign had no such um, get-out-the-vote effort, no ground game. In fact, he didn't even campaign. He just lied in the basement. And now we know why. Because they were never planning on a legitimate election to begin with. Because interestingly, my friends, which is also not being reported in the media, the great media, which has declared Joe Biden the victor, Joe Biden underperformed Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama in every urban area. Now, this is where the Democrats are supposed to be strong, right? They're supposed to be very strong in urban areas. 
the big cities, you know. And yet he underperformed them in every area except a few. And where do you think those few were? Milwaukee, which happens to be in Wisconsin, where there is voter fraud. Detroit, which happens to be in Michigan, where there's voter fraud. And Philadelphia, and to a lesser degree, Pittsburgh, which happens to be in Pennsylvania, where there's also voter fraud. And, lest we not forget, Atlanta, which is in Georgia, where there is also voter fraud. And yet, I find that interesting because they said the African-American vote in Atlanta was lighter than usual. So Joe Biden underperforms in urban areas throughout the entire rest of the country, including liberal Big Apple New York, where he performed piss poorly compared to other Democratic presidential candidates. But miraculously, with no get-out-the-vote effort, he gets it together from Milwaukee, Detroit, Philadelphia, and Atlanta. Now, if you believe that, like I've said before, I've got oceanfront property in Arizona to sell you and a few bridges as well. And this is why people are mad. People are mad because you've got the mayor of Philadelphia, who's got no business saying anything, coming out and saying how democracy is won and our founding fathers would be proud. I think our founding fathers would be rolling over in their graves right now. And this is one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast today, because I know that a lot of you out there are seething. You've been seething these past four years over what they've done to this man who didn't deserve any of it. And not for nothing, aside from tweeting and maybe being a little gruff sometimes, what has Donald Trump done that's so bad? This talk about separating children from their parents at the border, we all now know those were file films from the the Obama years. Those cages were built during the Obama years. And I've got news for you. Most of these children that came with their parents, didn't come with their parents. These are makeshift families, just people trying to get into the United States and dragging any kid they can find with them as an excuse to come to this country. In addition to that, even in this country, if you, an American citizen, were arrested and you had your children with you, they would be taken from you. Try driving, if you don't believe me, try driving down the street next time. Stone drunk get into an accident, and have your children in the car. You don't even have to get into an accident. Just drive in a drunken, erratic manner so that your driving comes to the attention of an observant police officer who pulls you over and determines that you are, in fact, intoxicated. Do you really think that when you go to jail that night, especially if you refuse to blow, that your children are going to be allowed to stay with you in the cell, or do you think they're going to be separated from you? Now, they probably won't be taken to a facility because you obviously live in the United States. And because of that, you probably have relatives in the United States. So there are relatives that they can go to. And I'm sure, as is the case, if these were legitimate families that were coming into the United States, and a man was arrested with his two sons or his son and his daughter, and he could determine that his brother or sister were were uh, living in the United States legally, and they had residence nearby, they would place the children with them. No question about it. This is done by law enforcement all the time. All the time. So we know that Donald Trump isn't responsible for that. What else has Donald Trump done? Has he gotten us into a bunch of wars where our, our, our sons and daughters are dying in a foreign land for undefined goals? No, he hasn't done that. He's brought people home from wars. Are we getting ravaged 
in unfair trade deals by the Chinese? No. He ate the Chinese lunch. He took him to task. Got us a good deal. How long will it last now? That Sleepy Joe might be the president? We don't know. But I don't think Sleepy Joe is going to be the president. He made us energy independent. We have more energy in this country than any place else in the world. Yet we've been led to believe that we're starving for energy. We have an abundance of energy. We are completely energy independent. We can produce energy through clean coal technology. We can produce energy through oil. We can produce energy through natural gas, which we have in great abundance, propane. And if it weren't for environmentalists who are insane, we could produce clean energy through nuclear energy. Because all these people that are running around with electric cars that think it's clean, it's not. The environmental impact of those batteries is unbelievable. The disposal costs, the lead. Everybody complains about SUVs and accidents. Do you have any idea how much a Tesla SUV weighs? 6,500 pounds because there's a one-ton battery inside that baby. And how do you think you charge that thing up? You charge it up with electricity made in a plant that's powered by fossil fuel. So you're not going to get a power plant made by wind vane or solar panels because the technology isn't there yet. So this is a pipe dream. We could do clean technology with nuclear. Nobody wanted it. Even Jimmy Carter, who was wrong on just about everything else, was right about that. And speaking of Jimmy Carter, it was Jimmy Carter who headed a bipartisan commission, along with James Baker, to study mail-in voting. And he determined, without equivocation, that mail-in voting was wrought with the risk of fraud and coercion and should not be engaged in. And this whole idea of mail-in voting is a crock of shit. All these people out there saying, oh, I have to mail-in vote. I can't go early. I could get sick. And these same people are going to the stores, shopping, standing on the two stupid little footprints, six feet apart, and they wear their mask and they do all their nonsense. Doesn't stop them from going to the store. Doesn't stop them from going anywhere that the government hasn't shut down. But they can't go out and vote. They can go into a store and they can get, grab a jar of pickles off the shelf that probably a dozen or more people have picked up in the last 30 minutes and put back. But they can't take a paper ballot that nobody's touched before that they're going to dispose of in three seconds. That they can't do. There's just an opportunity for fraud. Now, Donald Trump was well aware of this. I'm sure he's got everything lined up. And Donald Trump is going to go to court. And let me tell you what the future holds. I think Donald Trump is going to prevail. He's prevailed at every turn against these people just when they think they've got him. Every day they predicted the end of Donald Trump, and they're predicting it again today. It's no different than when they said he was dead in the water after the first debate. It's no different than when he said he was dead in the water after the last debate. It's no different when, than when they said he would never win, that the race was over, like that idiot on the five used to say, Bennett. Uh, oh, that's over. I've seen a lot of them. No place for Trump to go. But he won. They said he was finished. He would never be inaugurated. Once he was inaugurated, they said the Russia hoax would get him. After the Russia hoax, the impeachment of the Ukrainian phone call was going to get him. And then COVID was going to kill him. He was out of the hospital in three days. This guy doesn't quit. And he's not going away. So I'm here today to tell you to keep calm. Because there's a lot to look forward to. One, I think Trump is going to prevail. Even if he doesn't, 
I can tell you right now who's the most likely nominee for the Republican Party in 2024. Want to take a guess? It's going to be Donald Trump. There's nobody else in the Republican Party that has his kind of following or his kind of power. And the Republicans have a great advantage, or I should say Trump will have a great advantage, thanks to the laziness of his predecessor, Barack Hussein O. Barack Obama left 165 vacancies on the circuit courts in the federal system. Those are the appellate courts. If for some reason Donald Trump is not successful in winning this election through the courts, Donald Trump is going to go through the federal courts in advance of his 2024 run, and he's going to make sure that all these laws and all these things that allow these states to do this sort of chicanery that they're engaged in now becomes impossible in 2024. And if he doesn't get a favorable decision from a typical three-judge panel in the appellate circuit, he will ask for what is known as an en banc hearing. See, the appellate courts are actually bigger than the Supreme Court because the full appellate court doesn't hear every case. The appellate courts hear a lot more cases than the U.S. Supreme Court. The U.S. Supreme Court only hears about 100 cases a year because they have far-reaching implications and they clear a lot of other cases when they hear a case. But appellate courts do a lot more work. A lot of cases are appealed to the appellate court. In fact, everyone has an absolute right to appeal to the appellate court, any court that's rendered a district court decision. So there are thousands of cases. So because of that, the full circuit may have you know, 14 or 13, whatever it is, an odd number of judges, 15 judges. When you appeal a case, there's too much workload. They can't give it to the whole court. They give it to a three-judge panel. Now, if they get two out of the three judges aren't favorable to you, you've lost. But your recourse then is not simply to go to the Supreme Court, which you can do. If you think the larger court would render a different decision, you request an en banc hearing, which is a hearing before the full circuit court. So he has a lot of ways to go, and Donald Trump put 165 of those circuit court judges up there, plus three judges on the Supreme Court. So he'll lay very good groundwork for 2024, but I don't think it's going to come to that. I think he's going to lay that groundwork anyway for the benefit of whoever the next nominee is, but I think he's going to win. But ladies and gentlemen, this is why I wanted to do this podcast today, because this is the type of thing that becomes very dangerous. Thomas Jefferson once lamented, I pray that we never go more than 20 years in this country without a rebellion, because he knew what government was like. He knew the dangers of the power of an awful centralized government, which is why they did such a great job decentralizing it. When you push people to the brink, people were fed up. They were fed up with the system. They were fed up with the old boys network. They were fed up with the corruption in the swamp in Washington. And they sent Trump there to drain it. And they did everything they could to stop him from doing it, but he made great inroads. And they're afraid of him because they can't control him. The bankers can't control him. Nobody can control him because he worked for the people. And so they're trying to get rid of him trying to get rid of them in the worst way to save their own skin. And people wanted him there. People came out and they voted for Trump. They voted for him in droves. And now they're seeing their votes robbed and canceled out by fraudulent dead ex-heavyweight champions that are voting, as well as a host of dead other people. People that never existed. People that have moved out of state. 
computers, they're seeing it before their very eyes. And the media is telling you you didn't see it. You're not seeing that. But you are seeing it. And when people are pushed to that point and they get frustrated, they become dangerous. This is how revolutions are started. People try and be law-abiding. They try and go by the courts. And most people, when they think they've lost, but they've lost legitimately, and we're given a fair shake from the courts, or from whatever the final arbiter is of a particular plight, they accept it. But when people know they've been cheated, they can't accept it. And that's how revolutions begin. And I greatly fear that if Donald Trump isn't vindicated in this plot, that we are on the precipice of just such another revolution, and I pray that I'm wrong. So I urge everyone to remain calm until all of these legal avenues are exhausted, because I'm confident at the end of our day, at the end of the day, the 46th president of the United States will be the 45th president of the United States. There will be no 46th until 2024. You heard it here first. Well, maybe not first, but you heard it here more recently. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Durham.